All right. Well, do you have your place there in Second Corinthians chapter eight? I'm going to begin reading in verse one and uh, we will go through verse five. Second Corinthians eight one. Moreover, brethren, we do you to wit or to know of the grace of God bestowed on the churches of Macedonia, how in a great trial of affliction, the abundance of their joy and their and their deep poverty abounded unto the riches of their liberality for to their power. I bear record, yea, and beyond their power, they were willing of themselves, praying us with much entreaty that we would receive the gift and take upon us the fellowship of the ministering to the saints. And this they did not as we hoped, but first gave their own selves to the Lord and unto us by the will of God. And so much that we desire Titus that as he had begun, so he would also finish in you the same grace also. Well, with the Lord's help this evening, I, I want to, uh, for us to review uh, the reason uh, and the scriptural basis for missions giving and faith, specifically faith promise giving. Uh, it may more accurately be called grace giving, uh, but they are the same thing. And I'm going to explain that here in just a moment. Would you uh, pray with me, please? Father, I am grateful this evening for Crooked Creek Baptist Church and every member that it makes up and our friends. We thank you, Lord, for our church. We just appreciate so much how you have blessed us, God, over these years. And Lord, as we continue to go forward, uh, we are asking you to continue to pour your 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 grace upon us uh, that uh, by faith, Lord, we are asking you to do mighty things in the coming days that we might see more countries and Lord, more states and more cities, more towns, more villages, more souls reached with the gospel. Please help us, Lord. Would you stir us? Oh, God. That's my prayer tonight. Would you open our hearts and minds to thy, thy word? In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Well, I think most of you might be a little familiar with the account here. Paul is writing, as I even mentioned this morning, Second Corinthians, uh, just a, a letter commending them on many things that they had gotten right. Uh, but if there were one section, you know, that Paul was, I think, continuing to uh, remind them of it wasn't necessarily a rebuke, but it was a strong reminder uh, to the Corinthian church of a, of a promise or commitment that they had made. What was that commitment? Well, that commitment was to give funds to help the saints in Jerusalem, the poor saints in Jerusalem, uh, the saints that were struggling and needy uh, believers of the gospel who were seeking to do a work for God. But they had been faced with lots of persecution, lots of poverty. And so had these people. Um, but but the Corinthian church had had made a commitment before while Paul was there. In fact, it's interesting because Paul went on to these other churches, the Macedonian churches, and he had basically all practical purposes sort of bragged on the. The Corinthians saying that they had were going to give to this offering to encourage the others. Well, listen, that was used 
to spark a revival and a, and a zeal and desire in the hearts of the, Mas- the Macedonians. And boy, they just really got committed. They got just really focused on others, eternity, the glory of God. And it is amazing what we just read about and as we think about what they were able to do by the grace of God. But now Paul is writing back to the to the Corinthians saying, now, listen, brethren, I'm not I'm paraphrasing here, but I kind of read between the lines. Paul said, don't make me look bad here. I've, I've, I've made this, uh, I've told them this, and you've made this commitment, and I'm expecting you uh, to follow through with it. So that is the context. And this passage has uh, been used through many years, through many churches, and this passage of Scripture has been a, an inspiration to many believers just like us and at Crooked Creek Baptist Church of giving to missionaries so that they can go. It's not the only way to give to missions, but it is a good way. It is a way that has worked well for our church and, and hundreds of others. I believe it is definitely biblical because it is the spirit of the giving that is the main focus. And I'm going to bring out a couple of those things that we're going to see. But uh, I just want to talk about a few practical things of why we do Faith Promise here at Crooked Creek and how it works. I've mentioned a little bit about the card, but let's just look at what is going on here. First, I want us to see the testimony of the Macedonians. Again, Paul is saying here, I want to draw your attention to know of the grace of God bestowed on the churches of Macedonia. So he's going to use them as an example right now. What was what stood out to Paul of these churches in Macedonia. Well, the scripture is very clear, is it not? It tells us that they were in a great trial of affliction. There was a lot of persecution going on. They were disliked. Um, they were the outcast of society as believers. And we see that it's not as it just wasn't some petty thing like we would experience. Maybe the internet, internet not working that day or you know, maybe we're not, maybe we don't have good phone service and maybe it drops and, you know, we, we have afflictions, but boy, I tell you, <laughs> you know, sometimes we, we need to grow up, don't we? And I'll say amen to that for myself before anybody. But nevertheless, this is, goes way beyond that. Their lives were in danger constantly. But nevertheless, it did not stop them from giving. So that others could be blessed. It says that in a great trial of affliction, the abundance of their joy. Listen to their attitude. What an example to us that when we're going through the trial, Lord, help us to have your joy. And then it says their deep poverty. So not only were they being afflicted, but they they didn't have much. They were very poor. And it says that even through that abounded unto the riches of their liberality, they gave for this cause. And they were going to give it to the Apostle Paul. They gave it to the Apostle Paul to take to them. We'll see more about that. But then notice verse 3, and this is important. It says, to their power, I underline that in my Bible. That's the first thing they did. To, for to their power, and then beyond their power. If you make it a habit to underline in your Bible, you ought to notice those those two uh, different aspects of their giving. 
One was to their power and one was beyond their power. And that's very important to understand the grace of God that's going to come upon this church. So we see they gave by their power to their power and beyond their power. And they were first willing of themselves. I'd like to just mention a few things about this grace giving or faith promise giving. Number one, this kind of grace giving cannot happen until we first give of ourselves. That's got to happen first. Amen. Y'all with me on that? You can't experience this grace apart. I mean, because otherwise, let me just give an example. Suppose, I guess, suppose we could just say, well, hey, I'm just going to give some money to missions, but I don't really want to be involved. Uh, I don't want myself to be involved in missions. Well, can you do that? I suppose you could. But here's the thing. You won't experience the grace that the Macedonians experienced. This supernatural grace that's going to be mentioned over and over and over through chapters 8, 9 and 10 and even 11, that is because they first were willing to give of themselves. That's where you and I put ourselves on the altar as a living sacrifice. You, you, put, you draw a circle around yourself and say, Lord, everything in this circle belongs to you. Every part of it. It's yours. I'm willing to be used however you see fit. That is the beginning of experiencing supernatural grace. Because at this time, let's remember this, the Corinthians were not experiencing this grace. And Paul was saying, look, I'm telling you, I know you're growing in faith and you're making some decisions. He even talks about that. And uh, in verse seven, he says, as you abound in everything in faith and utterance, and he lists some real positive things that were there. He, were, he was commending them. But you, guess what he closed up with? And at the end of verse seven, he gives all these positive character, characteristics. But then he notice he says, see that you abound in what? Disgrace also. Hey, church, that's the grace I I long for. That's the grace we as a church long for. The supernatural power of God coming upon us as we have first given of ourselves. And so first question tonight, can we say honestly before the Lord that, Lord, everything is yours tonight. My life, my ambitions, my family, my relationships. My everything. It's yours. So that's the first step. But then I want to notice some other things about this grace giving. They first gave of themselves and that's where it started. But then we see sacrifice. So sacrifice we see there in the first part. If you notice verse 3. It says through their trial of affliction and deep poverty. It says in verse 3. For to their power. I bear record. So it was, first of all, sacrifice from these Macedonians. Now, this is a little bit different than giving by faith. All right. Now, of course, everything includes faith for the Christian. I don't want to confuse anybody here. But but the fact of the matter is the types of giving I'm going to talk about is what I want to bring in the context. Now, for me just to say, okay. You know what? I'm going to do without this or that in my life. I'm not going to maybe invest in this or something. If making some decisions like that, making some sacrifices, I don't that doesn't necessarily take faith like we're going to see here. 
Those are just sacrificial decisions. That means you're just willing to lose something, to go without something. That's the idea. That's something we're all capable of. It's sacrificial giving. And, and this is the type that they had first. And so I'm going to mention some things about that type of giving. But then not only did they have that type of giving, but then the Bible says that not only they gave to their power, basically of what they had, what they had earned, but then, uniquely enough, it says that they gave beyond their power. Now, that takes faith. That's something they didn't have to begin with. And so when we think about missions giving, we do give sacrificially. We should. It's over and above our tithe. And one thing that's precious about faith promise is this is a, a truly a, a, a volunteer offering, if you will. And because it's not necessarily commanded, but it is encouraged and it's to come from the heart as a choice of the will and not to be commanded like the tithe is. The tithe is the Lord's. It goes to Him. That's the top of our budget, right? That's the first thing. We don't put anything when we lay our budget for our monthly, uh, our monthly income when it comes in and we decide, okay, what has got to be paid and whatnot? That first thing is the tithe because it's commanded. So I always tell people, look, if you're not tithing, you need to start that first. <laughs> uh, let your missions giving come after that. Um, but the, the habit of tithing needs to be the priority. And if you have that, then you take the step to sacrificial giving. Uh, if you haven't started sacrificial giving, in other words, going without something, maybe uh, just being more careful, doing without things, you, you probably don't need to start giving by faith in the sense of what we're going to talk about here in a minute. Start with sacrificial giving. It's a, it's a growing, maturing process in Christ. But then once you learn the idea of sacrificial giving, and we do that with joy, we do that with uh, being cheerful, then we see where we can give beyond our ability. And that is where we say, Lord, I am trusting you to provide this to give through me in the coming year. I'm going to give it by faith, Lord, because I trust that your provisions are great. They're wonderful. And then... I'll talk more about that here in just a moment. But then there's another way that we have grace giving. And that is when we give out of our abundance. You say, well, how is that grace giving? Well, because God provides for some of us uh, in some extremely gracious ways. Okay? Um, let me draw your attention real quick over to hold your place there in Second Corinthians. And can you go with me over to Luke uh, chapter 21? Hold your place there in Corinthians and go over to Luke. I think most of you would be familiar with this account, but perhaps not. But it it is a. A teaching moment that Jesus Christ is is giving on is is uh, teaching on giving, and notice with me uh, chapter twenty one verses one through four. And notice what the Bible says, Luke twenty one. And he looked up and saw the rich men casting their gifts into the treasury. Now this was be taking place at the temple, 
where they would go forth and give their offering. And he saw also a certain poor widow casting in thither two mites. And he said, of a truth I say unto you, that this poor widow hath cast in more than they all. For all these have of their abundance cast in, in the offerings of God. But she of her penury hath cast in all the living that she had. You ought, to, you ought to notice that all the living that she had. And notice verse 5. And some spake of the temple, how it was adorned with goodly stones and gifts. And he goes on to uh, explain about what has just taken place with this gift that was offered. What do we, I want to draw your attention specifically in verse 4 where it says that they have given out of their abundance. All these have of their abundance cast and to the offerings of God. I like what John Halsey said about this instance here. He says, Jesus is not criticizing the rich men. He said their gift was an offering to God. That is to be commended. That is a good thing. But he makes the point that the widow's gift is larger than the gifts given by the rich. John Halsey goes on to say, God has gifted some with the ability to accumulate great wealth. God has not bestowed this gift with an equal measure. Some have been gifted with a business or professional aptitude. Some possess great wealth. Uh, with the gift comes greater responsibility. And Luke states, for unto whomsoever much is given of him, much shall be required. Luke twelve forty eight goes on to say, there are many godly and wealthy Christians who are very generous in their giving. God has gifted them both with the ability to get wealth and with the grace to share it. Do you notice that last part? Not only has he given them grace to have great wealth, but he's also given them grace to share it. It's all grace giving, either way you look at it. But the fact of the matter is, we got to let the Lord do that in and through us. So, upon that truth, let's go back again to our passage to look at the Macedonians. They were not giving out of their abundance. These were not wealthy people. Okay, we've, we've, we've understood that. That's clear. So it's not that type of grace giving. This type is ones that are giving sacrificially and by faith. And they first do that because they give of themselves. Now, some have been critical of using this passage to teach missions giving. And I don't understand why they feel that way. Because it is so obvious in the Word of God that the churches of Macedonia were extremely missions-minded. They supported the Apostle Paul. And I believe that their motive of giving to the poor saints in Jerusalem, yes, was that so they could eat. Yes, so that they could survive. But I tell you, even more than that, I believe that they gave so that church could continue on with the gospel ministry of Jesus Christ. So that they could function. You think about it. Why don't, why don't we uh, support missionaries? We support so that why they can uh they can eat, they can buy their groceries, they can pay their bills on the field, and they're not doing anything else. They are relying on the local churches to support them so that they can go do the work that God's called them to. 
That's biblical missions. And so I believe that the Macedonians were that way. Let me just draw your attention to a couple verses. Would you uh, hold your place there in 2 Corinthians and go over to Philippians? Look at chapter 4, verse 10. Again, he's talking, Paul is going to brag on the churches of Macedonia. Notice uh, verse 10. We could look a lot more here, but just for sake of time, we're not going to do that. But notice what Paul said here in verse 10. He says, but I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that now at the last your care. Again, Philippi is a church in Macedonia. He says, your care of me hath flourished again. Wherein you were also careful, but ye lacked opportunity. So you see, he's bragging on them for how, because of their missions giving, he uh, was able to flourish. He was able to be cared for. He was able to do the work God called him to. Notice with me also in First Thessalonians. Remember, the church of Thessalonica was a Macedonian church. Can you look over there with me? Right past Ephesians and Colossians, you just keep going. You'll run right into First Thessalonians, chapter one, verses seven and eight. I'll begin reading in verse six. This is First Thessalonians, chapter one, six through eight. He says, "And you became followers of us and of the Lord, having received the word in much affliction. Again, that persecution was there, with joy of the Holy Ghost." And it says, so that you were in samples to all that believe in Macedonia and Achaia. It says, for from you sounded out the word of the Lord, not only in Macedonia and Achaia, but also in every place your faith to Godward is spread abroad so that we need not speak anything. Wow. You see. What Paul is talking about here, this was a church that loved missions. They loved the spread of the gospel. And they would do anything they could in their power and beyond to do more than they'd ever done before. And I'm praying that we too would have that same spirit. Oh God, stir us. And we might see more missionaries go. And we might see more souls saved in China, Mozambique. We might see more... Families changed by the grace of God in New Zealand. Those are just a few of the places that we are looking to support in the near future that have come through and are coming. That is the heartbeat of the Macedonian church. You see, what a heart they had. Can I draw your attention also to 2 Corinthians? If you go back, hold your place there where we were in 8, but look over at chapter 11. This is very interesting. Again, we're looking at the context of the missions-minded Macedonians. And again, he's writing to the Corinthians here, and he's just really bringing attention to their faithfulness and their testimony. Notice verse 7. This is 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 7. He says, Have I committed an offense in abasing myself that ye might be exalted because I have preached to you the gospel of God freely? You ought to underline that in your Bible. 
preach to you the gospel of God freely. In other words, he wasn't getting paid there. But he was receiving some money because notice verse eight. He says, I robbed other churches, taking wages of them to do you service. Now, that robbed is not, of course, not in the context that we think of today, like holding somebody up. Hey, give me your money type thing. But he was speaking that to draw a strong illustration and a strong point to these Corinthians. He said, don't you dare accuse me of coming here and taking advantage of you and taking your money because I haven't taken a dime. But I tell you who I have taken a dime from. Those poor saints in Macedonia who don't have hardly a thing to their name and they give of sacrificially, they give by faith. And because of that, I am here in Corinth preaching the gospel to you. Now, I paraphrased, of course, Paul didn't say it just like that. But you get the idea. That's the that's the spirit of what he was saying. He says, I've come to preach to you freely. I'm planting this church. I'm preaching the gospel. But thank God there's some churches back there at Philippi and Thessalonica. Wow. Notice what it goes on to say. He says, and when I was present with you and and wanted and I was chargeable to no man for that which was lacking to me, the brethren which came from Macedonia supplied and in all things I have kept myself from being burdensome unto you and so will I keep myself and that my friends is the biblical basis of faith promise giving we do this so the missionaries can go and not be a burden that they can be supported they can preach freely and win people to Christ and then train them to do the same thing a job of a missionary is to work himself out of a job and be able to go to the next place and to train the next uh, people, the next family. And to do that, that is what we desire to do. So could you say, I believe I could say with authority from the testimony that we've even written, that the Macedonians had a passion for souls and gave their money for that purpose. And you know, this past year we've given nearly a hundred thousand. We hadn't counted what came in today and what will come in next Sunday, but it's easily going to reach, I believe, a hundred thousand just through what we committed in faith promise, not in other ways that we gave through the general fund, but just what we gave through sacrificial giving and giving by faith what God provided through us. And, and we need to understand, I, I didn't coin this phrase, but the idea was is that the grace was not bestowed on the Macedonians to stow away. It was not bestowed for them to stow. The grace of God is bestowed so that it might flow. That it might flow through us for the glory of God. And church, if we're going to be able to increase our missions family, we're going to have to increase in our missions giving. And so tonight, as we think about that, let me just give you some practical ways. Thank you for that. Amen, Chloe. It might have been an oh me and not an amen. But anyway, let me give you some practical ways that faith promise giving. Again, this is in the context of sacrificial and giving by faith. Number one, money unusually attained. That could be through a raise at your job, could be through a promotion, a bonus, overtime, an inheritance, a gift. 
And when we give by this, this is the ways that God can provide. Number two, it can be money deliberately retained. That could be through changed priorities, denying luxury, a luxury, delaying a purchase. These are some just some these are just examples. Okay. Number three, it could be money surprisingly regained. And one would be maybe a tax refund. And that would be a miracle in some ways. <laughs> but we have an investment return, maybe an insurance refund, maybe a repaid debt. That's money surprisingly regained. And then fourthly, money intentionally maintained. In other words, a commitment to regular giving and trusting God to supply. But the Lord will be faithful. And the Bible says very clearly back if you if you flip over here back to our passage, we look how he goes through and teaches about this grace that the Lord bestowed upon the Macedonians and talked about that needs to be the willingness of the heart. But he goes on to say that in verse seven of chapter nine, you maybe could look over to the next page. And this is very important. He says. There in verse 7 of chapter 9, every man according as he purposeth in his heart, so let him give. Not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loveth a cheerful giver. And my friends, that verse right there is the proof that this is a decision that you make in your own heart before the Lord. Every man purposes in his own heart. What is God going to put on your heart in the coming days? And my prayer is that we will all make an increase. That God would give us the wisdom of what that increase might be. And that the Lord would be glorified through it. Sacrificial? Yes. By faith? Yes. For His glory? Yes. More souls saved? Yes. More churches planted? Yes. Crooked Creek Baptist Church, experiencing the grace of God? Yes. I like what Hudson Taylor said, the great missionary of the past. He just was a missionary spokesman too and had so many quotes that was backed up by a life dedicated to God. He said, God's work is not man working for God. It is God's own work, though often wrought, through man's hands. You see the difference there? It's God's work. But He has chosen us, as I mentioned this morning, that, boy, we are earthen vessels. Just dust, clay. <laughs> but we have this treasure in us. That the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. He gets the glory. We just need to be obedient and move forward. I like what Oswald J. Smith said, a great pastor up in Canada that had a, just a phenomenal uh, faith promise, a missions program, hundreds of missionaries supported. He said, the church that does not evangelize will fossilize. And may God help us to stay active on fire and fervent as we reach more people with the precious gospel of Jesus Christ. Would you pray with me?